Chapter Four of Rangy Pete. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As he made his way through the darkness, within arm's length of the stumbling buzzard, Rangy Pete's brain was keenly alert. That is why he began to toy with the future, and why he succeeded only in startling himself. He knew quite well the direction in which they were feeling their way, and that brought with it two distinct sources for alarm. This route was leading directly into the buttes, and if there really were a bandit rendezvous tucked away somewhere in the heart of the butte lands, it would not be a particularly difficult thing for Buzzard Flynn to lead him fairly into it. The buzzard, he could see, was making his way confidently, and as swiftly as the handicaps of the night would permit, in a well-defined direction, and that spoke of an assured purpose in the buzzard's mind. With care, Buzzard Flynn might spring a trap upon him, but that was the least alarming feature of the situation, for the course which Flynn was taking led straight towards the Pelican draw, and hours ago he, Rangy Pete, had seen Jumbo Irish riding swiftly and arrow-like in that same direction. The thought of that was a frightening thing. Where is this blue-eyed person? Rangy demanded, with such sudden intensity of manner that Buzzard Flynn's answer was almost mechanical. She is over here in one of these other draws, he informed hastily. That is what we arranged. We left the main party one at a time, and then after hiding out for the night, we know right where to meet tomorrow or the next day. Don't yammer your head off. What draw is she in? Tell me that. Rangy's interruption was an impatient one, and it encouraged a prompt response. She's hiding in the pelican draw. Going to stay there all night? Rangy's interjection was more fevered still. Was she going to camp the same as you? Ain't that what I've been telling you? Then mooch along. Show some speed. Rangy issued his instructions with an intensity which astonished himself. There was so much intensity in his manner that he wondered just why it was there. He wondered why he should object to Jumbo Irish taking the prize which he had allotted to himself. When he thought of the blue-eyed bandit falling into the hands of Jumbo, a warm flush of anger rose to his cheeks and rested there for many minutes while he drove the buzzard along with furious stride. Yet when he grew more calm it was difficult to understand just why his emotions should have risen at all. Judged with a calmly measuring brain, there was not a reason in the world why a woman who played the role of a bandit should be any more free from punishment than a man. Yet, was it that he himself had wanted to be the means of inflicting that punishment? No, it could not have been that, for such a thought left him more angry still. Just what had brought him here anyway? Though Rangy pondered that point through many minutes, he failed to find a satisfying answer. Yet in the lack of an answer, why should he feel resentment towards Jumbo Irish taking the blue-eyed bandit back to Triple Butte? For Rangy had not the slightest doubt of Jumbo's efficiency nor had he the least thought that Jumbo would tarry long in the winning of that stack of fifty yellow boys. The pelican draw, he knew, was miles closer than his own position to that spot where he had parted from Jumbo Irish in the middle of the afternoon, and when he recalled that fact, Rangy felt the fever burning in his veins once more. Beyond doubt, Irish would already be on his way back to Triple Butte with the female bandit as his captive and whatever may have been his plans for the future that had not been within the range of his calculations a brave show he and triple butte would make to capture the one woman in the band while the real renegades slipped through the net 
and Jumbo Irish, he knew, would have no such thoughts of compunction, for Jumbo's brain would be toying only with that wager of fifty yellow boys. Faster, Rangy's voice prodded Buzzard Flynn into a still more rapid stride, yet what he hoped to gain by it was more than Rangy knew. Still there was just the one chance. You know where she was going to camp? he asked with an anxiety which he kept from his voice. Sure thing, the buzzard informed. I'll lead you right to the place if you'll trade me for her. That chance, Rangy knew, was that Jumbo Irish, confident in his capture and in the shorter miles to Triple Butte, might wait until daylight for the making of the return trip. And if that were so, you trade me for her? Buzzard's voice repeated, for Flynn, quick to sense the unusual in the other's manner, was beginning to fancy that he could see the gleam of a way through his own immediate problem. All madmen, Buzzard knew, have wide chinks in their armor, and fortune had played into his hands most shrewdly in showing him the weakness of this lunatic behind him. He could see now that his only hope was to encourage the capture of the female rider. Then, after he had been set free, and while this elongated strip of humanity was devoting his attention to his new captive, he, Buzzard, would make a display of that talent which had won him his name. He would poach upon the other, remove a dangerous lunatic, and at the same time win the gratitude of blue eyes. The farther Buzzard tramped, the more he became enthused for carrying out his portion of the program. Luck, which but a short time ago appeared to have deserted him, was in reality with him all the time. Rangy Pete suddenly laughed aloud. Sure, I'll trade you for blue eyes, he proclaimed. And he wondered at the chuckle way down in the throat of Buzzard Flynn. That Rangy fancied on the spur of the moment would be his course. If this one chance should win out and Jumbo Irish were still in the pelican draw, then he would trade Buzzard Flynn for blue eyes. The idea was such an engrossing one that he scarcely noticed the miles slipping behind him. He was only dimly conscious that they had made a hairpin turn and were now traveling down the pelican draw towards Triple Butte, somewhere along this boulder-strewn course which twisted its way out into the plains would be Blue Eyes and Jumbo Irish. Or would it be the main body of the dervishers? The eager strides of the buzzard seemed a remote hint that the latter might be the case, but that, he believed, would be hardly possible. The dervishers thorned though they were in the flesh of the plains, would scarcely have the daring to reform at a point so near Triple Butte, unless by chance their work with that sun-slumbering center had not been finished, and they were planning another sally to complete it. From that point forward Rangy went more cautiously. He checked the pace of the buzzard, and divided his contemplation of the future with a sharp outlook in all directions. Yet in some way or other he must trade Buzzard Flynn for blue eyes. Then a sort of mental panic gripped him, for the impossibility of making an open trade with Jumbo Irish and still retaining any secrecy for his motives, whatever the future might decide them to be, occurred to him abruptly as an almost insuperable obstacle. Jumbo, plainsman that he was, ready-tongued, ready-muscled, and keen-witted, might make the exchange for a consideration. But after that, what then? His tongue could be stilled, perhaps but only if Rangy rode back to Triple Butte with the woman as his captive. And was that any part of the purpose which had brought him here? That point was still undetermined when Rangy noticed that the buzzard's stride was slackening. 
She can't be more than a quarter of a mile away, the buzzard confided. I'm giving you the straight stuff, mister, and if Blue Eyes doesn't happen to be there, don't you go getting excited. If she ain't there, you make allowance for a woman not doing what you expect of her. You come back and take the ropes off me, and we'll hunt her together. Rangy Pete made a guttural noise which may have been compliance or refusal. He completed certain rope work which left Buzzard Flynn anchored to a huge boulder. Then he began to contemplate the darkened draw before him. The main body of the dervishers, or Jumbo Irish, or a vacant camp. Which would it be? Rangy returned, inserted a knotted kerchief between Buzzard's lips, and whispered his instructions. Don't you go talking to the stars while I'm gone, he admonished. If I hear anything like that, it's apt to make my head go wrong again, and I might forget I'm a deputy. As he slipped away into the darkness, he noticed that the buzzard was shivering slightly. But that was not the problem which concerned him now. A quarter of a mile down the draw, Flynn had said. So the next few minutes might decide if this were a trap, or if Jumbo Irish had already started for Triple Butte with his captive. Foot by foot he felt his way through the blackness, with every sense strained to read even the faintest of tokens. Presently, at his left, the light stamping of feet. That would be horses, restless, feeling his presence. And their number would be an important thing. Rangy Pete removed his boots and placed them behind a boulder. Then once more he crept forward on hands and knees. Shortly, before him in the darkness, there loomed the outlines of the animals. A wave of gratitude swept over him, for there were but two horses, and the story which that told him was slightly intoxicating in its significance. Two horses meant Jumbo Irish and Blue Eyes. With that surety before him, Rangy Pete sat flat upon the rock to ponder the future. Black night was upon him, night which conceals the movements of man. It was that consciousness of night which in the end brought the rift of an idea into Rangy's brain to shatter the outer shackles of his problem. Two people in the draw, Jumbo and Blue Eyes, and Jumbo Irish, whatever else he might be, maintained the scrupulous instincts of a gentleman. That would mean that Jumbo, whether awake or asleep, would be rigidly observing the codes of mankind and would therefore be occupying a position at some little distance from his captive. Rangy Pete chuckled silently. The chance was there. The way would be open to him to take the female bandit under his own particular care. Provided, of course, he could feel his way about this draw with the caution of an animal. If only Jumbo were sound asleep. But if not, Rangy shrugged his shoulders through the night. Then silently he began to feel his way down the draw. As he worked his way along, foot by foot, Rangy's ears were strained to catch even the faintest sound of life, but the only whisperings which reached him were the vague murmurings of the night. There before him, a dim and huddled form crouching against the growth of rock. For a full minute Rangy watched that form, until at length it flopped an arm restlessly aside. Fortune surely was playing into his hands, for that flopping arm could mean nothing but sleep. Jumbo asleep through the night watch, so the rest should be much simpler now. This time he crept forward more cautiously than before, and he began a slow and methodical search of the deeper shadows at some distance from that huddled form under the rock. A quarter of an hour passed in this manner, 
until at length Rangy's outstretched fingers came into contact with something soft and yielding, which had nothing to do with the bare rock under his knees. A blanket, he muttered. That sure means that somebody is bedded down soft and nice. I'm guessing. Go ahead and guess. The answer came back in a cold whisper. But don't get too near. I may be tied, but I can kick your eyes out just the same. Gosh almighty, Rangy exclaimed in a thick whisper. It is sure little blue eyes. I've been looking and looking for you, and here you are all tied up like a fatted calf. Rangy Pete paused as he became aware of a slight gasp from the other. After that there was a motionless silence. Through that silence Rangy appreciated that the situation was, after all, a difficult one. He had found it easy to talk to Blue Eyes while she stood over him with a derringer, and while his hands were in the air. But now, with the situation reversed and the darkness about them, it was altogether different. Who are you? This time the voice was obviously feminine, and there was a marked relief back of the words. I thought you were that person who roped me last night. No, miss, I ain't Jumbo Irish, but he ain't more than fifty yards away, so we gotta be most awful quiet. Rangy found the words coming more freely. You don't know me because it's dark, but you and me are old friends. We met up this afternoon, don't you remember? You kinda amused me by letting me look into the barrel of your gun. You're that long, skinny thing that was standing up against Ike Collander's store? The voice asked. You talk about as funny as you look, and that's the reason I couldn't forget you. Besides, you're the only one I held a gun on, for Collander doesn't count. But what are you doing here? One of the posse, I suppose. And you want to get the credit for capturing a woman. You aren't satisfied to let that other person out there have the credit? Shh, miss, you're like them all. You talk too much. But can you walk? Do you suppose I'd be here if I could have walked away? No, that posse person who's sleeping out there like a hog roped me up and down and across and then tied me to a rock. I haven't slept a wink. We'll sure correct his impoliteness, Rangy returned. If I take them ropes off, will you come with me, miss? Where do you want me to go? The girl demanded, instantly on the defensive. I got a joke I want to tell you about, but I don't want you to laugh right here and wake up Jumbo. The joke ain't more'n half a mile up the draw, and if it don't make you laugh, miss, you can cuss me for five minutes and I won't say a word back. Get busy. I'll go. Your company can't be much worse than the company of that person you call Jumbo. You sure won't be repenting that statement, Rangy encouraged as he immediately applied himself to the task of removing the ropes which Jumbo Irish had applied so conscientiously in the interests of the law. It mayn't look purty, but if you're taking a tip from this boy, you'll mooch along on your hands and knees same as I do, Rangy suggested in a whisper when the last of the ropes fell away. Rangy Pete promptly gathered up Jumbo's supply of lariats, and he immediately began to crawl away from the scene of the improvised jail. He crawled for two hundred yards before he glanced back over his shoulder, but when he did look he was not at all surprised to find that the girl was only a few feet behind him. Rangy continued in this manner for another hundred yards until they were past the picketed horses, and when they rounded a boulder large enough to hide them from all view he rose to his feet, donned the discarded shoes, and waited for the girl. Got a match, the girl demanded the moment she arrived at Rangy Pete's side. 
That person down there couldn't possibly see us now. Sure, Rangy returned. Want the makin's too? Idiot, the girl returned, with as much vigor as a whisper would permit. Sit down behind that rock and give me a match. Rangy Pete obeyed, quite forgetful that the other was in reality the captive. The girl promptly struck the match, cupped it with her hands until it blazed freely. Then she held it close to Rangy's face, and as she held it there she leaned forward and peered intently into the man's features. Rangy Pete found himself looking back into a pair of intensely blue eyes. They were wide and eager now, totally unconscious of his scrutiny, and they were evidently making a hasty but adequate estimate of Rangy Pete. Beyond the eyes Rangy saw but little, though just before the match flared out and plunged them back into darkness, he was conscious that the shapely lines of the chin which had first drawn his attention back in Triple Butte were extended to the rest of her somewhat oval countenance. The riding hat thrown back revealed a rather tumbled mass of hair whose shade he could not quite determine, but which he felt was much darker than that wisp of straw-colored braid which he had seen once before. You sure are a queer one, the girl commented immediately the darkness settled about them. You're out on a manhunt. There can't be any doubt of that, for you've got enough hardware on you to sink a schooner. You look almost human, too, but you haven't taken ordinary human precautions. Don't you know there hasn't been a minute since you untied those ropes when I couldn't have let daylight into your interior? That ain't no ways possible, miss, cause it's most mighty dark here. If you want it straighter, the voice interrupted. I mean I hit out a gun on that posse person when he pretended to search me. I sure got a trick, mister, whatever your name is. Most folks call me Pete, Rangy Pete, and I wouldn't consider it no ways of a liberty if you done the same. But what's the trick, miss, besides looking at a person with them blue eyes? If you were a dervisher, I'd most probably shoot you up for that, the girl returned, quite unmoved. But the minute that posse person you've been calling Jumbo Irish threw a rope over me from behind a rock, I slipped my hat off so he knew I wasn't any man. After that, he's so modest he didn't search me for this gun I hid out on him. So you can thank Jumbo back there for the fact that I've got you covered now, Mr. Rangy Pete. Suppose I was to say to you, hands up. You said that to me once before today, and it sounded kinda nice. Anything you could say wouldn't sound so bad. Through the darkness, Rangy Pete caught a sound which was suspiciously like the choked-off end of laughter. But when the girl spoke again, there was no suggestion of mildness in the tones. That stuff doesn't go, Rangy Pete. You ought to know that with only one girl in a camp of twenty men, I have heard a whole lot nicer things than that. It got so bad once that I had to put up a sign on a tree, cut out the mush. Now you had just better mosey along and remember that I will be right behind you with the derringer trained on your back. That sure is a nice comfortable feeling, Rangy returned. I'm kinda queer that away, so't I don't feel no ways right unless they is a gun trained on me. But remember, if you don't keep that derringer sorta under control, you won't never hear that joke I'm gonna show you. You shoot me, miss, and I won't tell you nothing more about that little joke of mine. Mooch along, I'm getting anxious. But how far do you have to go before a joke's a joke? About a half mile, miss. You couldn't no ways appreciate it less you's right on the spot. This time Rangy led the way with less caution. 
for he knew that even though Jumbo Irish did come to life and discover that his captive had vanished, there would be little which Jumbo could do in the darkness to regain his earlier position of mastery. Shortly they arrived at the spot where Buzzard Flynn had been trussed up and tied to a rock for the sake of security. Rangy stopped and asked the girl to remain a short distance away while he advanced upon Buzzard. The latter had evidently awaited Rangy's return with some anxiety, as he lost no time in opening the conversation once Rangy came within sight. You find Blue Eyes all right, just as I told you? he demanded in a voice which carried easily to the girl waiting in the background. I gotta say, Buzzard, at you're the most honest road agent I ever come against, Rangy replied. She's a campin' out just where you told me she'd be, and it want no trouble at all to get her. Buzzard Flynn laughed with relief, and he attempted to straighten himself from his cramped position. Fine, he exclaimed. Now that you've got her, you'd better slip these ribbons off'n me, cause a bargain's a bargain. A bargain sure is a bargain, Rangy agreed. They ain't nobody can say Rangy Pete didn't live up to his bargains. I told you, Buzzard, cause you suggested it. "'at I'd trade you for blue eyes. "'So I ain't gonna disappoint nobody, no ways.' "'The balance of the sentence was completely lost, "'owing to the vigorous manner in which the girl precipitated herself between them. "'Give me another match, Rangy Pete,' she demanded. "'I think I recognize the voice of that coyote, but I want to make sure. "'They ain't nothing to make sure about, "'cause it's Buzzard Flynn,' Rangy informed. "'That's the joke I've been telling you about.' The girl snatched the match which Rangy proffered, and she held the blazing tip so close to Buzzard Flynn's features that he shrank back from the flame. A joke, she exclaimed in anger as she swung about to Rangy Pete. I heard what this coyote said. He brought you to me, and now you're going to let him go because you got me. The blue-eyed person produced her derringer with a speed which aroused Rangy's admiration. She presented it towards the shrinking form of the buzzard and then at the critical moment she hesitated. That also pleased Rangy Pete. Blue Eyes, it was becoming evident, was something of the rip-ringer which he had promised himself she would be. But even at that he approved greatly when she shrank from shooting the captive in cold blood. I'd like to do something to that person, she spoke tensely, but I can't shoot him like that. Mr. Pete, take his ropes off, give him a gun, and we'll shoot it out. I ain't sayin' but what you're entitled to some of your feelin's, Rangy soothed. But you ain't got the joke yet. I can't let you go to punchin' no holes in de buzzard boy, cause him and me has got a bargain. He's to lead me to your campin' place, what he's done. And I'm to trade him for you, which I'm gonna do. Up you get, buzzard boy. A bargain's a bargain, just as you been a-sayin'. And I couldn't feel no ways right if I didn't do as I said. Trade me, sure. You let me go. Which means that I gotta put you right where I found blue eyes, Rangy spoke quite mildly. You sure can't have nothing to kick about that. I didn't find blue eyes a-sittin' here on the rock, cause I found her a half-mile down, and that's where I gotta put you. Or I couldn't never feel right no more. Sounds all right, but let's hurry about it, Buzzard agreed for it had become evident to him that the strain of insanity in Rangy Pete was creeping again to the surface. Buzzard Flynn rose to his feet readily when Rangy adjusted the ropes to make it possible, and he was still fairly well pleased with events until the girl suddenly broke out into laughter. I thought you'd get it if you just look the right way, 
Rangy addressed her, which is a hull lot better'n punchin' this person's hide full of unnecessary holes, ain't it, miss? I wouldn't think of arguing the point, the girl returned when she had gained control of her laughter. And, Mr. Pete, I want to thank you right now for not letting me shoot him. Don't mention it, miss. It ain't nothing at all. I only done it because I didn't want to spoil your joke. Now what are you gonna do? Come with me or wait here till I get back? Who says I'm going to do either? The girl flashed back. Rangy Pete toyed with the tip of his left ear. That's just what I've been thinking about, he admitted at length, and I don't know that I can answer the question, miss. But if you ain't no ways in a hurry, it'd sure oblige me a whole lot if you'd sort of hang around. I ain't got nothing to say to you, but I'd like to talk to you just the same. All right, Mr. Pete, I'll stand without roping. You'll find me here when you get back. Here's something that might come in useful. When Rangy turned, he found that the girl was handing him a bandana of firm texture and that she was making a motion as though to twist it about Buzzard's face. You're sure thoughtful of Buzzard, Rangy commented as he tied the handkerchief across Flynn's face, somewhat to the captive's dismay. Stand still, you Buzzard boy. There's some poison fog down the draw ways, and we don't want you to go breathing none of that stuff, do we, Miss Blue Eyes? Sure thing, Buzzard boy. I knew you'd be grateful. I won't be long, Miss Blue Eyes, if you'll just wait. Come along, Buzzard. March pronto. Rangy Pete set off through the darkness, prodding Buzzard Flynn in front of him, and reverting as he went to that slurring style of conversation which was like a mask before his emotions. They's a secret I gotta tell you, Buzzard, Rangy informed. I'm gonna put you right where I found Blue Eyes. "'cause I couldn't never look you in the face again "'if I didn't do just as I promised I would. "'Rangy Pete don't say much, "'but what he says you can take as your hope of kingdom come. "'When I found Lil Blue Eyes, "'she was all cuddled up nice and snug in a blanket. "'And Buzzard Boy'll sure like that blanket, "'cause he ain't got none of his own. "'There's a lot of nice ropes all tied about her "'with the purtiest little knots you ever set eyes on.' and they's a great big cruel man a-sleepin' like a hog about a few steps away. He's an awful cruel man, Buzzard, and if I's you, I'd hate most horrible to wake him up. He's cruel after dark, cause he once killed a man at night, and that give him queer ideas in the head. He ain't like me at all. What's matter, Buzzard boy? Cold? It's all right. I'll excuse you for not talkin'. Cause as I sayin', this here person can't bear to be wakened none at night. He always shoots when he's wakened at night, cause he's got the queer idea at it's the ghost comin' back. I told you he's queer in the head, but he shoots first at night and looks afterwards. If you don't believe me, Buzzard, I know of a nice fine rock to sit behind while you tries it out. And I sure would like to know if Jumbo can shoot straight when he gets that away. If you want to try it out, Buzzard, you just make a wee little bit of noise when I'm a-bedding you down where I found Blue Eyes. But if you want to wait and see him in the morning, when he won't have no queer ideas, you just creeps along like a coyote. All right, Buzzard. If you ain't got nothing more to say, we'll start to creepin', cause the great big cruel man ain't far away now. Rangy Pete led the way, creeping on hands and knees as he had done twice before and he found that Buzzard Flynn was remarkably docile and silent behind him. The Buzzard's experiences during the past few hours with this obviously irrational person 
had been too varied to give him any strong desire to prolong their acquaintance so buzzard was no less silent than rangy himself as they stole towards the improvised jail and as rangy rolled the other in the blanket which but a short time ago had sheltered the girl that noise you hear is the cruel man telling the world that he's asleep rangy whispered his parting message with that he stole away in the darkness as he crawled along he listened carefully for any advertising of revolt on the part of buzzard flynn but judging from the vast silence about him it seemed that the buzzard had been subdued then abruptly through the stillness of the night from up the pelican draw there came a dull clattering sound rangy listened intently then shortly he gave an exclamation of dismay hoofbeats he proclaimed blue eyes has gone for a moment longer he listened until the faint clattering died away and when he moved forward in the direction of his own cayuse it was totally without animation the girl he could be positive now had made good her opening to escape that was a perfectly obvious thing for her to do but his consciousness of her act brought a vast inexplicable loneliness upon him End of chapter four